Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 65. We're covering the 2019 Valspar Championship on the PGA Tour and the Maybank Championship on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How's things? Enjoy the players? Yeah, good. It was all right, mate. Yeah, it's good. good I quite enjoyed it. I didn't like Tommy's body language, but... At, at least, at very least, he uh, he got that up and down on seventeen to uh, to make sure he got a full each way. If he power. hadn't got off, if he hadn't got a full place, I would have been slitting my wrist. <laughs> yes. And when he when he was on seventeen t, I just shouted at the TV, "Do not hit it in the water!" And I could tell from his eyes where that was heading. Yeah, it was an aggressive line he took, wasn't it? Well, you've got to give him credit for that, I suppose. Did I see a statistic about he's led 10 times and never won? Yeah, he's going to. I'm sure that. Dave Tyndall shout, uh, shouted that it's, on Twitter. Um, that'll, that'll change, won't it? He's, he's too good a player. He's, he's right up there with um, a lot of the top players nowadays. We can talk about this in a second, can't we? Let's, mm. let's just do the U. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Naturally, we're available on social media. We've got so much to talk about. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting in terms of Twitter handles. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Just release one of those for the Valspar Championship. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and a myriad of different pod channels. You can listen as well via our Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Many of you do. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes, and naturally, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. Leave your name in the review so we can read it out on the podcast. So, um, we've got two to read here, and uh, Phil Elfrink of St. Louis, the United States of America, did just that. He left me his name in the review so I can read it out. Here you go, Paul. Five stars. What a treat. I look forward to listening to you fellas every week. I listen to multiple golf betting and DFS podcasts every week, but you guys give a different take and approach. Plus, you guys cover the Euros, and that makes me makes my degenerate synapses fire. <laughs> Keep up the good work, gents. I don't, Phil. I take it you must play DraftKings. Come and join our uh, DraftKings league at Golf Betting System, and you can take part in our European tournaments every week yeah. that'd be a sensible idea yeah you can come and come and pitch up and see if you can uh, see if you can beat me which actually on DFS probably isn't particularly difficult lately it's, it's been a bit of a sparse run for me on uh, on DraftKings I must say but uh, yeah pop along join join the uh, join the GBS yeah. group and uh, we have we have links in the um, description box so uh, just come and see them Phil come and play uh, come and play our European tour well, come and play both PGA Tour and European Tour leagues at Golf Betting System. Now, we've got a second review. This one is from a gentleman. Well, it's a it's C. Thrain. I don't know if that's Thrain or Thrainy. But uh, leave your name in the, uh, in the reviews and it makes it a lot easier. He's from Denmark, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, great listen, five stars. Super interesting discussion of stats, form and history. Plus, it is very uh, teaching on golf course layouts, grasses, etc. 
would be cool if you know or sorry would be cool if you throw in a little reflection and previous week if the stats is off or if you just pick the wrong horse smiley face <laughs> that's from Thrain in Denmark um, it's usually because our selections are potentially the wrong horse although with you I mean this brings us into our review of last week is it my imagination you've had three runners up in the last five sets of previews mm. yeah it's getting uh, it's getting a bit painful now isn't it so uh, so yeah going back to uh, going back to the super six actually I had a couple of the players in uh, in position there yeah, you got two in the semis didn't you yeah and Paul Dunn and uh, I'm thinking Nacho the other one. I'm thinking Nacho Alvira it wasn't it wasn't Alvira that's right Alvira yeah um, then yeah, Campillo uh, the week before last, and then uh, Louis Diego last week, who had a four shot lead halfway, didn't he? And he looked outstanding. And I don't know. I switched the TV on Saturday morning, having seen some great golf from him over the first couple of days, and bogeyed the first. Yeah, Mister Mister Short one on the first, and it, it just seemed to rattle him. And you know that whole front nine. To be fair, I think he finished the front nine one over, and. It could have been far, far worse. But by that point, he's missed out on a number of the scoring holes, and clearly, he's he's not feeling, you know, he's not feeling the top of his confident game at that point, and uh, meandered through the rest of the round. And then Saturday again, he had some chances. On, sorry, Sunday had some chances on Sunday. Then he got himself into the lead, tied for the lead, got the outright lead at one point, I think, on the sixth hole, seventh hole, something like that. Uh, but just couldn't make those putts coming home. It was. All a bit frustrating, which is the the name of this game. But um, he was super close, wasn't he? How many players at that level, though, do you see go gun to gun? It's yeah, and there's there's a pressure, isn't it, it? It's rare and it's rare. Cause, you know, it, the stand the standard of players. It's every week seems the same. You've got ten, twelve, fifteen players that could all win it mm. on the Sunday, and they're just passing the potato, aren't they? Oh, I can't win it. You go. Oh, you you have a go. It's funny because I thought the Italian chap was actually quite impressive in the end. He, what, the, way, the way he closed out on eighteen, yeah, you know, just smashed mm. down the fairway, hit the pin, didn't he, with his approach and uh, mm. and just mopped it up at the end. But uh, yeah, he was impressive, given that you know he clearly got some some Alps uh, tour experience and uh, you know he'd done well as an amateur as well. But um, if you look at his form on the European tour. Um, and the challenge tour, nothing there. I think his best on the European tour was twenty sixth. I think his best on the challenge tour was eighteenth, something like that. So there wasn't anything to grab onto. He was three hundred to one in places before the event. If you managed to pluck him out, but I, I can't imagine many people did, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he was impressive. Um, Adrian else was super impressive. Again, he tightened up a bit, didn't he, on Sunday? Um, you know, and you could see. I tell you what impressed me most is that although he's a, you know, he's an incredibly long hitter of the ball, he knows, and you know, working with his caddy, very experienced caddy, um, he knows when to rein back a little bit and take an iron off the tee, get himself into yeah. position, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, yeah, he's going to win. He's going to win some some events. Going to win some some good events, I think, on else. So. He was impressive again. Justin Harding, it flew through, didn't he? He just, he just um, ambled along for the first eight or nine holes on Sunday, and then uh, then started making his birdies. And you know, he was only a shot back in the end. So there's a few, a few eye catches there, um, but yeah, just disappointment really that Diego couldn't uh, 
couldn't finish the job off at 60 to He one. gave it a go on the last. That yep. putt burnt the edge, didn't it? He did, and he did he did fly the ball all the way to the pin. Yep. So I think the effort he made on 18 was decent. But I think all in all, you can't really complain, can you? You're, you're there or thereabouts. What's your record like at the Maybank? Any good? Um, trying to think back now to to events because it's, it's, yeah, no, there's nothing. It, it changed, didn't it? Because we've got the Maybank um, and it used to be the Malaysian uh, May, Maybank Malaysian Open, so there was a slightly different event going back uh, historically. But then they used to play that at a different track as well. So um, you've got some different nuances with this particular event. Um, but yeah, I always remember Sung You'll Know winning a Malaysian. Yeah, that was like years and years beating KJ Choi. Yeah, that was the previous event. So um, many years. Again, ago. it was in Kuala Lumpur, but it was on a, on a different, shorter track. Um, but yes, it's um, I, I, I can't recall having nabbed the winner of, of this particular one. But then we've only got a couple of years worth of um, course history. So let's let's talk players and masters mm. first. Because people want to, people want to talk about the Masters, don't they? Yeah, not long. Because we're very, very close now. Very close indeed. Now, one of the stats that I brought out to the party in our Masters um, anti-post podcast, which is still available, uh, was this par four birdie or better stat yep. that seems to come in year after year. So I thought I'd just run through the top ten again. Mm-hmm. Because the last five years, the, the the winner of the Masters has been in the top seven of this particular statistic. So let me run through the top ten in reverse. Justin Rose is now to up into the top ten at ten. I feel like um, should have that uh, that, da, 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 da. <laughs> that music. If you're listening to this in America, you haven't got a clue, or in Denmark, what I'm talking. No, about. Or, or, if if you if you young, if you if you're younger than about thirty, you've probably got no idea either. Uh, I love it. They still they still have that on the radio too. Oh really? On a on a Saturday, yeah, it's great. Right, top ten. Justin Rose is up from thirteen at ten. Rory McIlroy's at eight. He's tied with Patrick Cantlay. This is again. This is par. Four birdie or better leaders. Seven, Ryan Palmer. Well, he won't be playing the Masters unless he wins in Houston. And I, to be fair, I, I won't be backing Ryan Palmer if he's in the field. Mm. Six, down from four, Jason Day. Now, that's one I am interested in. Five, Ricky Fowler. Down from se- Oh, up from seven. Uh, four, down from six, Justin Thomas. Three, Rafa Cabrillo Bello. Two, Tyrrell Hatton. That won't be two after this week because he's playing Valspar. <laughs> That's scuppered. He'll be about 86 in the stats <laughs> next week. He'll win it, clearly, because I've said that. Number one, Phil Lefty Mickelson. Mm. So if I was a betting man, not that I am, clearly, I'd, I'd be backing Mickelson and probably Jason Day on that basis. Right now, yeah. You've got another, another three weeks or so to... Uh... Uh, we have yes just to uh, Cam Smith fell out of the top 10 last week he's falling backwards Uh, uh, Siwoo Kim's falling backwards Tony Finau made a big jump last week from 30 to 18 so he's heading in the right direction yeah and he's gonna doesn't play this week and I'm not sure he'll play in Shell either so he's um, 
he's unlikely. He's the one that is creeping up from 62 to 22 was Dustin Johnson last week. Mm. Never back the world number one at the Masters. There you go, there's another one for you. For those interested, and I'm sure you will be, Tiger Woods has jumped into the stats at 33. Sergio Garcia at 40. There isn't, there isn't the one that I want in there. That's the trouble. We've still got a couple of weeks to go. Gary Woodland's just on the fringes this week. There will be, there'll be lots of changes. He's at 12. If he had a good week on the par fours this week, I could see Woodland up in the top seven or eight. The, the thing with this week is birdie or better on the par fours at the Valspar isn't going to be... No, it's tough, mate. Isn't gonna, they're not, not going to be a lot of them, are they? So you're going to see quite a few changes from... So you might that. find Hatton, you're spot on, mate. You might find Hatton RCB, even Jason Day dropping out of that. Mm. And then just underneath that top seven, we've got clearly Cantley, McElroy, Rose, got JB Holmes, Gary Woodland, who is playing this week, Abraham Anser, who I was going to tip up and then decided to withdraw. So thank you for that, Abraham. At least he had the decency to do it uh, before the event rather than Jason Day mm. the other week. And there's, you know, it's just players like Kim, Charles Howe, Tony Finau. So Finau's one to watch there. If he creeps up, you never know. Never, never know. But there aren't, because we're talking about juicy underlings for the Masters, aren't we? And there's no one there that's really jumping off the page saying I'd... The only one is Phil. Yeah. And I tip him up every year. And he, he actually started well last year. And then he absolutely... I think the wind got up a little bit and he just did what Phil does, is shooting double bogeys everywhere. So there's that's interesting. Yeah. What did you think of the players? I, I, I love it as an event. I, I do really enjoy it as an event. And uh, Do you think it's the fifth major? It doesn't feel like it to me when I watch it. No, no, it's, 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 it's just a very, very good PGA Tour event. But I thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, again, you know, we talked about some of the outsiders that I fancied last week and Furyk and and Vegas, and I had a little dabble on them both, and both of them looked like they got a great chance, didn't they, right at the end. You know, flew through the field at the end, and Vegas missed a six-footer at the end for, for what would have been 15 under. Obviously, Jimbo got himself into that 15 under position, but, but fair play to Rory, you know, for the stick that he's taken over the last couple of months or so for not being able to convert these chances. Um, the way he played 16, 17... And then eventually 18, just closed it out, didn't he? Very, very. He goes awesome. onto that list though, doesn't he? He goes onto that list that we read out last week of of March players' events where people are literally banging you over the back of the head with a top seven of t- a finish mm. in a Florida event, building up to the players. Yep. Where you know the the fact you know the likes of Showfly and all these guys can't lay that hadn't played since Mexico, hadn't played any Bermuda, any Florida golf. Missed the cut. Yeah. So I think that's an important factor. Mm. Intre- I thought Dustin Johnson's performance was interesting last week as well. Because that March of that March timeline clearly suited him. A little bit more moisture on the course. Was a little bit more... I think slowly... I'm not, I'm not even sure of it slowly. He's got to the point now where he's a kind of all-rounder. Clearly he's world number one. But he, he doesn't take driver everywhere no. anymore. No, no. And that clearly came out last week. Yeah. 
Because when he went birdie, birdie, was it three straight or three out of four at the start? You're thinking, aye, aye. Yeah, yeah he's going to He could sneak in. All, all the guys in the, in the back two groups were, you know, were hitting it everywhere. He thought he could come and steal this because that, that's clearly happened the last few weeks with Molinari and the like. Yeah, yeah. But he just ran out of steam a little bit. He missed a lot of short putts. Actually, Dustin Johnson last week. Yeah, but he's looking good. His long game's looking good, as you say, and uh, we know that we know that he's very dangerous when uh, when that's the case. Mm. While we're talking players, congratulations to Ben Cobb who won won our competition last week. The final number of balls in the water for the seventeenth hole was forty five, and it played exactly to level par over the course of the four days. And Ben guessed 45 and plus seven was his guess, which was the closest answer. So congrats, Ben. We've been in contact and uh, your £50 free bet with competition sponsors Betfred is winding its way to you shortly. So it's a good stuff. Fantastic. Well done, Ben. What did, um, what did you think to Ram and Fleetwood then? Ram, we've talked at talked length about Ram, haven't we, and about, you know, in a... We, yeah, we know the score. In, a, in an easier or a more scorable contest, he thrives, I think, and when it gets tough and when, it, when you know, when those the birdies aren't as freely available, I think he struggles a little bit, um, whether it's mentally or... The, you know, he can't play middle of the green. He can't play middle of the green it's golf. Too aggressive, can he? Yeah, he, he's, yeah. he aims at the pin yeah. every every shot. Yeah. And you know, there's certain tournaments, certain times in tournaments when you can't do that, and he hasn't learnt that yet. No. It'll come. And you could tell that his temperament was better. He wasn't. He wasn't thrashing out and shouting all this, but he. It's not quite there at the moment. It will come. Yeah. No, and, to, and Tommy, you know, Tommy's playing some very good golf again, and. Uh, He's not a million miles away. It's a shame because at the halfway point, you and I both had uh, both had the leader in our respective events, and it could have been looking yeah. like a could have been looking like a juicy double, but uh, alas, it wasn't. I had Poulter in. Th- I had Poulter in third as well. What That's happened right. to Poulter? Yeah, he had an awful weekend. I he? read something about some abuse that was being shouted at him, and um, yeah, he's got to be used to that. It because he had his wife and his cute kids following him. Right. Yeah, well, they've got under his skin then, haven't they? But uh, he should be used to that. He's always taken a bit of stick from the American crowds, hasn't he? Mm. But yeah, not nice when you've got Shame. a family. I there. thought he had a real chance. I thought he had a massive chance, actually. Yeah, yeah halfway again, as you say, he was he was right in the mix, wasn't he? I think he threw a quad in there on one <laughs> early on on Saturday, yeah. so that was gone. That doesn't help, does it? No, not, not a winner. Right. So we've spoken about the players. We've spoken about the Masters. Let's talk about the Maybank Championship. Mm. Yeah. So your event this week over over in Malaysia. Yeah, it's a fairly a fairly decent one um, in the context of the European Tour. So we're off to Malaysia, the capital um, of Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, for what is the fourth Maybank Championship, um, the third of which is being played at this um, venue. So if you go back for the three that have been played so far, 2016 Marcus Fraser won on a different track at 175 to 1. Uh, 2017, um, when the event moved here, Fabrizio Zanotti won at 225 to 1. Two massive, juicy prizes. Um, and then last year, Shabanka Sharma won at 50 to 1. Um, off the back of some pretty indifferent form, but then he'd won 
the uh, Joburg Open the previous, at the back end of the previous year. So there'd been a, more than a hint that he was playing some decent golf. So yeah, we've got a little bit of um, a little bit of course form from the last couple of years, and there's some more distant um, events from some more distant uh, Malaysian uh, events that were played here at Suljana Golf and Country Club, which we've included in the stats on the site for this week's um, for this week's event. So looking at the field, we had a few withdrawals, as as I know you've had over in the Valspar as well. So um, Joe Lauten was due to be playing this, but he's um, He's pulled out. So that's left Thomas Peters at the top of the market again for the umpteenth time that he's played on the European Tour in the last few weeks. At uh, 14 to 1, generally there's a little bit of 16 to 1 out there, but I suspect he'll go off at 14 to 1. Um, Jorge Campillo, who I backed a week before last, 18 to 1. And he's finished second on his last two starts, Campillo. He finished second here last year he's as well. He's never won. He's 20 to 1. Yeah, eighteen to one at best price. So um, you know, you could you could take your chance and go for the uh, Campillo, Campillo heartache if you uh, you fancy that. I think um, I think Yost knows he's going to be playing in the world match. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's sitting at sixty seventh, I think, in the OWGR. So there's always two or three or four people who pull out, isn't there? He must have been given. He's he's been given the heads up. I think he's been given the nod. Yeah, I think he's 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 done the maths and worked out. Get, your, get yourself over to Texas, lad. You're in You're in the world match, bloke. Yeah, there's no value in playing the Maybank when you've got a far bigger prize for turning up mm. and playing the uh, match play, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mike, Levin, Mike Lorenzo Vera, 25 to 1. Ryan Fox, who was third last year, 25 to 1. Fabrizio Zanotti, who won in 2017, 25 to 1. And then you're down to the likes of Alexander Bjork. Adrian Else, who's going to be a popular pick for the next few weeks, undoubtedly. 33 to 1, Thomas Dietrich, Scrivener, Jordan Smith, all around that came same kind of price as well. So it's a good it's a good European tour field, this one. Yes, it's solid, solid isn't it? Solid, yeah. yeah solid yeah, solid, solid is probably yeah. the right word. There's no, you know, aside from Thomas Peters at the top, there's no real superstars there, but we're not scraping the uh, barrel in terms of uh, no, no, no. in, term, in terms of the field. So yeah. All pretty good. Uh, the Palm Course is where we're playing at Suljana Golf and Country Club, which is a 7,135-yard par 72. Um, it's dubbed the Cobra, is the, uh, the the nickname for the track, but I don't think it really plays to, uh, you know, with, with that level of bite to, to give it the uh, the nickname, but we shall see. Um, lined with palm you, you like a Cobra or three, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you knew I was going to say Over that. a curry, yeah. This, uh, you like a Cobra, don't you? Yeah, one or two. Yeah. Um, Maybe your golf improves after a Cobra or two. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know about my golf, but darts improves after a Cobra or yeah, two. Yeah, definitely. Helps with the elbow. Yeah. Indeed. Um, lined with palm trees, par threes, all around the 200-yard mark. Three, four par fives between 523 and 604. And five sub... 400 yard par fours I and mean, it's not massively dissimilar to last week really it's a classical kind of track um slightly different in that it's um it's quite fiddly it's um small undulating tiff eagle bermuda greens this week so um if you're trying to draw some comparisons you might want to look at courses like fandling for the hong kong open which is another kind of classical style fiddly track with uh with Bermuda Greens as well. Um, 
Yeah, and I say, despite the despite the nickname, the course isn't really that tough. You look at Sharma's winning score, 21 under last year. Fabrizio Zanotti was 19 under. If you go back to the Malaysian Open days um, from 2020 or 2009 backwards, so Kang won at 17, Anthony Kang that is, at, uh, in 2009, 2007, Peter Hed Hedblom. I remember being on Hedblom, actually, um, back in 2007 in my formative days with golf punting. Uh, and Tong Chai Jai Di, 2005 and 2004, he won it back to back at 21 under and 14 under, respectively. And for me, it's a kind of track that lends itself to a more controlled tee to green game. Someone who can putt well on Bermuda greens as well. They are quite small greens. And um, if you're comfortable putting on that style of green, then um, I think you're going to be at a distinct advantage. And if you look through the stats of the last few years where we've got data to, to analyse, then um, a lot of the best putters on the week did gravitate towards the top of the leaderboard. So that would be one of the key angles I would look at personally for this particular event. Uh, incoming former winners... You've tended to get decent price winners here because they've not shown a massive amount of form. I mean, we talked about Sharma a second ago. His previous two events, 48th and 61st coming into this. Um, he had one at the back end of the previous year, but um, hadn't done much in the Middle East prior to winning here. Um, 50 to 1, and I know it was a little bit longer than that. He'd been tipped up um, quite heavily for this as well last year, as I recall. Uh, Zanotti came off the back of a couple of missed cuts. Anthony Kang, going back to 2009, 49th missed cut. Peter Hedblum, Hedblum 41st, 54th. It was only Jai D who had shown some very immediate form coming into this. And you're going all the way back to 2004, 2005 to draw that comparison. Where would Sharma's win been, uh, the four outings before? It must have been the end of the previous season. Yeah, it was the Joburg Open. Um, but it was on a different track. They used to play at the Royal Kensington, but they'd moved the track to uh, top of my head, like Rand Park, Rings Bell. Uh, don't quote me on that. But yes, um, he had won at uh, the Joburg Open just before Christmas. And then, mm. uh, yeah, it hadn't done a great deal in the, in, in the golf. No, it? Zanotti's form was wild, wasn't it? There's was just nothing there. It was like a 16 miscut, miscut, miscut. It's funny, Zanotti, because I think he's done that two or three times now on the European Tour. And it, yeah. you, you always get a good so. prize with him. And he can win. He can go over the line. Um, but he but not a 25 to 1 when he's actually done something no, 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 recently. No, 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 you're far better picking him out when he's got a string of missed cuts or seemingly poor <laughs> events. But it goes not to be all. Yeah, yeah, and then he, he turns up at an event or a track that seems to suit his game, and for whatever reason, it just mm. it all just clicks and away you go. Yeah, okay. So he's actually showing far too good form at the moment. And yeah, the, pr the, the price. The price is, you know, if you're talking, which well, as short as 18 to 1, I'm looking at now, and he's, he's been backed in as well, so. I can see your logic of why you've gone for your guys then. Because mm. there's not a lot, there's there's some immediate form just under the surface. But I was surprised at the prices you've got on your tips this week. Because for me, they're, they're, they're players that are just equally as good as some of these guys that are far shorter. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, looking at the history of this, and you know, you've, you've got Sharma, who was 50 to 1, but you could have made a case for him. I, I'm sure Steve Palmer tipped him up last year. Um, so clearly there's there's some logic to be to be grabbed in you know from him and we talked about Zanotti who won here um, you know a, a long price as well and you know I don't I don't really see the value in going down at the 
you know, even even the second tier players, um, you know, the 18, 22, 33 to 1 players, I couldn't really find anyone who who really interested me. I mean, I, I do think uh, Arnaus is going to win something and I think we've got to pick him on the right week, but it doesn't really feel uh, that this is going to be the right kind of track for him. It's, you know, if, if we were taking him to the Hong Kong Open right now, I, don't, I wouldn't be backing him and I can't be backing him this week, I don't think, but it'll be interesting to see how he how he fares. I mean, the, the player, that the, top, you know, the, the shortest prize player that I've backed is David Lipsky. Um, and he's there's still a little bit of fifty to one about him at the moment. Again, again he's been backed in, so I suspect he'll go off at about forty to one top price. Um, very early, there was some sixty sixes about him as well, which uh, which was a very strong price. Um, yeah, the, the reason he's been priced at that kind of level is because he's missed his last two cuts. But uh, prior to that, there's some some decent form there to grab onto. I mean, with Kurt Kitchyama, we've already seen a player win twice this season. Um, and Lipsky did win um, at the back end of last year, the start of this wraparound season at the Dunhill Championship at Leopard Creek. That was his second win on the European Tour, the other one being at Crown Sorcier. So again, if we're talking short, fiddly, kind of classical-style tracks, again, I think the Crown's form can, to, can translate to some degree. Um, and... You know, there's been some decent efforts in, in since that win. 16th Abu Dhabi, 24th in Saudi. Um, he went to the WGC at Mexico and finished 10th there, which in the context of this field is an outstanding piece of form. Mm. And then went to Oman and for, on debut missed the cut, went to Qatar where he's always struggled, missed the cut. And since that, you know, his price has drifted out to, as I say, 50 to 1 right now. So uh, mm. I couldn't resist that. I thought that was a very strong price. And looking at his course form here, second in 2017, where he's fourth for putting, 17th last year, where he's third for total driving. Got some Hong Kong form as well. He's finished fifth in 2016. Again, you know, looking at Sharma, Sharma finished ninth and sixth again this year, just gone at Hong Kong. So I think there's some strong correlation there. Um, and going back to another track that I think has got some relevance, the Championship at Laguna National back in 2014 is another one of these classical style Bermuda Green. Uh, tests and he finished second there and that was when we didn't know much about Lipsky whatsoever and the only reason he lost that week was um, Philippe Aguilar um, hold his second shot on the 72nd hole to, to win by one um, mm, I, was I on, remember that yeah well I was on Anders Hansen who was also mm. tied for second and and uh, it's like a tale of woe me going through my uh, betting my golf, <laughs> golf well, industry that's just <laughs> us in general <laughs> that's that, listeners know that by now Paul Tale of woe, but yes, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Lipsky's uh, Lipsky's the one that's going to uh, buck that trend and get me the win this week. I think. Um, other players, he's a, he's a proven European Tour winner, isn't he, Mister Lipsky? Well, yeah, and I think you know that that tenth place finish at the WGC, and you bring that form into an event like this, yeah, um, on a course where he's previously finished runner-up and you know a decent effort again last year. I think there's there's a lot to like at that price. Other players that I've backed, Wade Ormsby, who's available at 66 to 1. Um, and again, if you continue this um, Hong Kong link, then he's a fanling winner from back in 2017. And that is his only European Tour win, but he's also won the Asian Tour in the past. And he actually came within a couple of holes of winning again at the Vic Open um, last yeah. month. And it's only a double bogey on the 70, 71st hole um, that uh, prevented him from winning. 
Why don't the bookies fancy him then? I mean, why isn't he so sure on the basis that his actual immediate form is very, very good? Yeah, well, no, I think it is very good. I, I, I was surprised at the price, I must say. And 66s, I thought, was more than fair, worth taking on. And he, done, he did double bogey that hole, but he, he birdied the last. To, you know, it, it, by that point, David David Law had already you know, got beyond him, so he needed, a, he needed an eagle at the last. But he birdied the last, so he didn't go completely to pot. He just had... Bit of bad luck, I think. His long game looks good, and that's not really where his game tends to be. He's, in my mind, he's a, he's a far better short game exponent. Um, went to the Super Six the week after, got himself through to the playoffs. Oh, sorry, got, yeah, yeah, through the playoffs, he got himself to the final day. And if you remember, there were a few players who had their um, putters stolen overnight on the Saturday into the Sunday, and Ormsby was one of those. So they stole not only his putter, but also his reserve putter. So he woke up Sunday morning to play the match play element with no putter. Nice. Um, so no surprise whatsoever that he didn't progress because he's, you know, aside from not having his equipment, his mood must have been absolutely, he must have been absolutely fuming. Yeah. So, um, but then... And he hasn't appeared since. No, he hasn't appeared since, but he's gone back home. He's, he's got his head around it. Clearly gone to the uh, Scotty Cameron shop and got himself a, a, another couple of uh, putters there to 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 see him through the um, the next few events. And we, we know with Ormsby that he can hold his form. And going back to when he won, he'd finished fifth the week before Valderrama, which again, we're talking um, tree-lined classical tracks. Um, won the Hong Kong Open, he was ninth at the Australian PGA the week after that. So these little uh, peaks of form, when he finds them, he can, can maintain for a few events on the trot. Yeah. I say he's, he's striking the ball well. I, I, I can't can't see any reason to to not back him at sixty sixes. I must say, um, and a couple of long longer shots to complete the team this week. Tom Chai Jaidi. We talked about him winning twice here already, um, and I backed him on his last start in Qatar after he'd um, he'd shot the round of the day or the joint round of the day to finish off in Oman the week before that. Um, he didn't do badly in Katai. He was um, kind of mid-division going into the weekend. 70-71 um, or 71-70 he shot, but couldn't push on from there and, and just didn't... Uh, kind of took his foot off the pedal, I guess. But uh, there's, there's enough to like from prior to that. He was second after day one in Dubai, fourth for putting, which caught my eye. And even in Qatar, where um, he, he clearly didn't push on over the weekend, he still finished 23rd for putting. And that's, uh, again, two decent Bermuda green... Uh, performances which uh, which catch the eye and these fiddly kind of tree line tests do work for him he was eighth at Wentworth last year which is his best result of the season he's finished second in the past at Wentworth going back to 2015 I think it was um, 14th at Hong Kong this uh, Christmas just gone or just before Christmas in fact he's got an outstanding record in Hong Kong full stop he's got 12 top 20 finishes there over the years um, but then it's it's the course form that swings it here you know, two wins, he clearly knows how to get around the track. It has been renovated slightly since, but it's still fundamentally the same piece of land. Um, and even when with the renovations, he's been inside the top 20 heading into the weekend the last two years. So um, there's enough to like about um, Jai D at 125 to 1. And then the final one I've gone for is Jake McLeod, the Aussie, um, who... Yeah. Again, it's another one of these... Good young talent, isn't it? He is good young talent, yeah, 24-year-old. Um, I'd looked at his price, and you know, given that we've seen him... He was 33-1 to 1 to win the Vic Open. Um, he was 55-1 to 1 the super, to win the Super 6, and didn't uh, didn't do anything on those two weeks, it must be said. 
But he did. He was already in the WGC Mexico, so you can imagine that was on his mind. He finished 45th in Mexico. He was 16th to halfway. So at that point, you know, anything could have happened. He could have finished top 10. He could have finished in a kind of similar position to to, uh, to Lipsky at that point. So that WGC form is, is solid. Um, he was 20th in Qatar on his last start, and he was 6th going into the Sunday. Um, his, his third round, 66, was the joint best of the day. Um, you know, he's shown some decent form, I think, and then he's been pushed out all the way to 150 to one, which I thought was a silly price for him. Really, I think he's far, far, far better than that in this field. So uh, snap that up again. Looking at his form, he's sixth in Fiji, won the New South Wales Open in November, so he's got that recent win under his belt, similar to Sharma did last year. Uh, third at the Australian P uh, Australian Open, it was second after day one of the Saudi International. So there's lots of snippets of recent enough form to uh, to like and it's his putting that really kind of swings it for me again he's finished top five for putting in five of his last eight recordable starts which i think is going to be an important factor this week seventh for driving he accuracy does, last he's week certainly a, he's certainly a guy that's been uh, a top of leaderboards recently yeah mcleod yeah i think he can he's clearly a precocious talent he's, there's, there's enough to like about him to to Chance drama, one hundred and fifty to one, I think. And he's got no course form. He's got no regional form. He's, I couldn't find any form from Malaysia whatsoever in his professional career. But you know, doesn't matter. Then. I don't. They've only been playing this particular track or this particular event, you know, in recent times for the last couple of years. I don't think he's at a massive disadvantage. And Australian, yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what part of Australia he hails from? Either Adelaide or Queensland, I forget which of the two. Because I always think Cameron Smith, because Cameron Smith's a he's a Gold Coast boy, a Queensland. He's, oh, he's Adelaide, isn't he? Adelaide boy, and his form translated across to uh, the Asian tour very, very well. I think it can, you know, and it's got it's got to be hot and sticky out there, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not going to be completely alien to him, you know. If you if you put in some of the the Northern Hemisphere guys on there, who yeah, they clearly are exposed to some of these uh, some some of the hotter temperatures, but they're they're not going to be thoroughly comfortable in it. And some of these some of these guys are going to be far more equipped to be able to handle the conditions. So, so yeah, that's that's my four against the field this week. And fingers crossed, we can uh, we can snare the winner out of one of those. Four. I do. Um... I do like your strategy this week. As soon as I read your tips last night, I thought, "Yeah, he's on the he's on a very good wavelength here." It feels it feels so comfortable, we'll, we'll yeah. See. It does feel comfortable. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Let's say there's there's some there's some players there that you you could make a case for, but um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll give it a stab with those four. One player that jumped out at me at a big price, hundred and twenty five to one. And um, I actually just looked at his record while you were, were talking. Mm. This and uh, this guy was in the top fifty in the world less than two years ago. Yeah. He then made the decision to jump out of the relatively um, shallow waters of the Jap Japan tour. And he said, "No, I'm going to go worldwide. I'm going to actually play on world tours." And um, started playing on the European tour. And I remember him very, very vividly um, coming fourth at the Dell Technologies match play pretty much yeah, two years ago, yeah. 2017. He then went to Wentworth and finished third in the BMW PGA. And everyone's going, wow, this, you know, this, this Japanese guy, he can play. Mm -hmm. He can play a lot. 
And since he's gone on to the main, main tour, his form, or the, sorry, the uh, European tour, his form has been nowhere near it as it would be over on the Japan tour. But he still shows glimpses. And it's interesting. Um, last year, uh, ninth in the Spanish Open. He was fifth here last year in the Maybank. Uh, fifth at the Porsche European Open in Germany. Sixth around those tight, fiddly confines of Cranchurcier. And he was third at the KLM Open. Mm. And he just showed, he showed a couple of weeks ago, he got into seventh spot going into Sunday at the Oman Open. Yeah. And if you look at his results on the Asian side of things, uh, sixth in the Myanmar Open in 2010, I think that's Malaysia. Sixth and a ninth in Singapore at the Singapore Open 2016, 2017. And as I said, that aforementioned fifth at the Maybank last year. I think these kind of fiddly tracks suit him. It's Hideto Tanihara. Yep. Who I think there's far worse players in the field at 125 to 1. And he's just about starting to show something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, on the right course. That, uh, that effort in Oman was, was pretty strong, as you say. He was fifth for putting that week as well. So there was... Mm. Um, He's never going to be a greens in regulation monster. He's more of a short game player. But around here, I think that can be ultimately that can be just as successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, just looking at my notes, it was his GIR which put me off um, going any further with him. But you know, there's there's a case to be made, and you've just made a, a you know a fairly strong one for him given his uh, given his record. If he can make seventy percent. I know in his last outing he was at seventy percent GIR. If he can make something around that 70, 72, 75 percent greens in regulation, he won't be a million miles. Away. No, no, and his short game can be uh, when he's playing well. His oh, short yeah. game's uh, good enough to compete around this kind of track. So exceptional. Yeah. We shall see. Could be a good pick, Steve. Valspar Championship on the PGA Tour, and. Um, Always, always the weakest of the events in Florida, um, and I think that's mainly because it's such a. You read player interviews. Oh, I, I didn't realise how good a course this was until I arrived. Mm. They all say it, and uh, Charles Svartel said, "I can't believe I've never played here before, before coming in and winning." Yeah, he said it's an absolute monster of a golf course, and uh, it isn't. It's in Florida. It's uh, it's in Tampa, or Harbor, um, not Harbor, Palm Harbor. But it's on the it's on the uh, it's on the west coast of Florida. It's actually getting up towards uh, Louisiana. It's right up in on in, uh, on the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Um, coast, but it's an inland golf course, and it's it's fairly it's fairly long at seven three. It's a par seventy one, but it isn't your atypical Florida golf course in any way, shape, or form. Lots of dog legs, um, lots of tree line fairways, water in play, but not the kind of water we, we you know we see Siwoo Kim banging it sixty yards into the Great Lake. It's kind of you know the the um, the trenches that run down the side of fairways. Yeah, yeah. Lots of dog legs, lots of trees, lots of undulation, up, uh, you know, tees up in the air, down. Um, it's it's not atypically Florida at all. It's more Carolina. And if we start talking Carolina golf courses, people say, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, Carolina golf courses, clearly tree-lined, in the main tight, off the tee. 
So I think Harbour Town. Uh, I think Sedgefield Country Club, where they play the Wyndham. Um, clearly, Pinehurst Number no. Two is probably the most famous of all Carolina golf courses, where they held the uh, U.S. Open twenty four fifteen, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Apologies if I got that wrong. It was either fourteen or fifteen. I think it was fifteen. And of course, you've got Quail Hollow as well to throw in the mix. Now, Quail Hollow is a beast of a golf course, but it is Carolina in its makeup. Pretty much, very few straight holes. Lots of um, lots of holes where you've got to shape the ball. Basically, shape it's ball ball sh uh, shapers. And that's where we're at. Now, the, Val the Copperhead course, it's, it is a beast. It's an absolute beast of a golf course. Um, if we're talking winning scores here, 10 under with Casey last year. Hadwin was 14 under. Svartzel was 8 under. Jordan Spieth, 10 under. John Sendon, 7 under. Kevin Streelman, 10 under. So this won't be any 17, 18 under kind of job. Yeah. Adam Hadwin, there was no wind at all that year. No. He shot 14 under. I think Cantley was 13. If you're up in the eights and the nines, you're in the top 10. It's a proper technical he, test, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's tough. Double figures and you're normally banging with the chance of actually getting the uh, getting the title on you. It's, uh, it's a slightly different format to what we usually see with a par 71 as well because a typical par 71 would have three par fives, but mm. here you get four par fives, which I think does make par four, par five scoring important this week. Uh, and you also get um, five par threes, I believe. Yep, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Adds up to seventy-one. Yep. So less, less, uh, less par fours, effectively. Yeah, it clearly has the snake pit, which is uh, holes sixteen through eighteen. Um, they actually said, and Svartzel said this in an interview, which is on my preview, which clearly you can access via the description box. Um, he said basically seventeen is the real horror hole where if you go right you're into water if you bail out left you're into a big clump of trees uh, so he said it's double bogey in the water and it's bogey in the trees you, <laughs> you literally have one option which is the fairway it's down the middle yeah when you've got a, when you've got a player of Schwarzel's qualities telling you that um, you you know you, you sit up and listen mm. it ranked as the sixth hardest golf course on the PGA Tour last year at just almost a stroke over par on average uh, and the thing that also makes it difficult is that the fairways here are really really thin yeah. so if I take the 300 yard mark for Bay Hill which was two weeks ago uh, you know Rory McIlroy kind of heaven 34 yards wide at 300 yards yeah um, you take TPC Sawgrass last week. They were 32 yards wide. So again, so players like Ram, players like DJ, players like Rory, they can be very aggressive off the tee. Here, 21 yards at 300 yards off the tee. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're talking very thin fairways, which are surrounded by deep three-inch rough. It's noticeable again. Going back to your preview, where you've you've listed that, um, it's not uh, the 300, 300 mark, three hundred yard mark is clearly important because of the a lot of the drives going to let, end up around there. But um, mm. every point along that uh, along that measurement that you've put in there, uh, it looks extremely tight. You know, it's, it's, it's a good kind of third to fifty percent narrower than a lot of the courses that we've played or seen over the last few weeks. So. It's going to demand a strong level of accuracy to find those fairways. Whether it whether the penalty um, is that great is debatable because you know we look at the tour st statistics and whatever. Mm. So if I if I go down the old traditional stats route, 
you know, accuracy, greens irregulation, the old the stuff that the old farts like us used to use all the time. <laughs> and if you're on the European tour, you have to. Driving distance for this tournament of the last nine winners um, is th- averages out at 35th in the field when of, of the winners. Yeah. So you can be long, you can be short. It makes no difference whatsoever around here. So Luke Donald, Jim Furyk can win, as can someone of the ilk of Gary Woodland. Um, driving accuracy averaged out at 39th. So actually, the penalty... I mean, Paul Casey was awful last year. Yeah, he, he was, yeah. He was 70th in the field for fairway. It was just that magic putter on the Sunday, wasn't it? It was just a wrong Paul Casey performance. Mm. You'd expect him to be hitting plenty of fairways, metronomic on greens, which he wasn't, and you know, missing every putt, like one point yeah. nine putts per GIR. <laughs> it was the complete role reverse, where he's actually the the flat stick was on fire, and he was scrambling like Billy Goat. Uh, he couldn't hit a fairway or green to save his man life. Bizarre, but yeah. strange things happen at this tournament, and I think that's half the half the, the point really. I'll go into that in a little bit more detail. The actual, um, the the shortest skill averages, so that you know the most important for this golf course, putting average at fifth. I mean that is low across nine winners. Uh, the average putting average statistic of the winner was fifth. Mm. So you've got to have a hot flat stick, yeah. Um, and also scrambling was far more important, or was more important than greens in regulation. Yeah. So you're going to be missing greens and you're going to be scrambling and having to putt well. Um, the greens themselves are Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass, but they're overseeded again this week just with Poa Trivialis rather than with the bent grass, the velvet bent grass that we saw last week. And um, so they're overseeded greens, effectively. They're very, very similar greens to what you find at PGA West where they play the Desert Classic or the old Humana Challenge, the old Bob Hope Classic. Yep. Very, very similar greens. And actually, when you look at Adam Hadwin, who won this in 2017, we know that he's an absolute animal around PGA West. So there's something to throw in there. He's also done some good stuff, at stuff like the John Deere Classic, which is another one that I like the look of in terms of a correlating mm-hmm. course link. Yeah, I can see that. Totally different. Um, in terms of the green setups, which are bent grass there, but there's there's clearly something about the kind of shortish, neat and tidy kind of player. Yeah, and that kind of bears itself out from the, the winners here, doesn't it? You know, if you've got the likes of Luke Donald on there. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got a decent record around uh, the John Deere Classics. He's from Illinois, so that's like his home open, a bit mm-hmm. like Zach Johnson, and he's got a couple of top tens there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at in terms of what I'm looking for. If you're looking at it from a strokes game perspective, you know the the new modern way of looking things, which I've I've started to use a hell of a lot more this season. Um, strokes gained skill averages over Paul Casey, Adam Hadwin, and Charles Fartzel, last three winners. Strokes gained off the tee fiftieth, so that that ties in. Doesn't matter. Strokes gained approach does fourth. Strokes gained around the green seventeenth. Strokes gained tee to green fifth. Strokes game putting 10th. So what that effectively says is if you're getting the ball relatively close, um, you're going to have a hot hot time with the putter here. Um, it isn't all about long putts, but strokes going tee to green and approach, very, very interesting. And I took a note from last year about this tournament. 
my note said, there were more than one sentence, but this is the one that I focused <laughs> in on. If windy, greens in regulation, outing before is critical. And that, I've noted, even if there's just a single round where the wind is in effect, you need players that come into here confident that they're eating lots of greens, effectively. And when I looked at the top uh, four last year, bearing in mind we had Casey, Reed, Woods and Garcia, that is a very elite leaderboard. Mm -hmm. um, Casey was 12th for G GIR in Mexico the previous week. He was 11th in my rolling GIR tracker. Um, Tiger was 10th for great GIR at PJ National on his previous outing. And um, Sergio Garcia lo and behold, was fifth in the rolling greens in regulation tracker this time last year. Now, let's fast forward to the weather this week. And it's actually changed since I put the preview out. Okay. Um, it, look, it looks to me as if Thursday is now going to be quite windy. Anything up to 20 miles an hour. Okay. Um, but it, te it, seems to, it seems to actually affect the afternoon start as far more than the morning. Mm. So as, as I said to you off mic, first round leader bets this week, and I'm basing this on a forecast, so don't throw a load of abuse at me when it's wrong. But if this forecast is correct, you want a first round leader that's starting AM. Yeah. And actually, if you look at first round leader winners here, Corey Connors last year, he was an AM starter. Uh, he was 200 to 1. Our old mate Jim Herman, if you're looking at military precision from tee to green and can't putt, it's Jim Herman. He shot nine under around here in 2017. 60, a, uh, nine under, that'd be a 70, 62. Uh, 62, wouldn't it? 125 to one. That shows you, doesn't it? That, he was a morning starter. That, that morning kind of player, again, you know, notwithstanding what Casey actually did um, on his final round last year, if you've got a player who is very strong from tee to green who can just find that magical round or magical four rounds with the putter they're going to be very very strong here aren't they but yeah for first round leader that does kind of suggest that you could go down this kind of metronomic accuracy routes with a few players and just hope one of them uh, catches fire with a flat stick it throws a few at me I tell one player that came closest to me tipping and I didn't tip um, at a price was Joel Damon. Yep. And Joel Damon at the moment is playing some fantastic golf. You can get out there and grab him right now, 150 to 1 for Joel Damon. Mm. Statistically, he's doing a lot of things that I want to see. Um, he's killing par fives, which is not going to be a bad thing this week because the par fives around here were the third or fourth hardest on tour last year. Yeah, if you can make a score on him, you're gonna it's gonna set you in decent stead, isn't it? So he's top seventy for bogey avoidance, like that. We don't want to be leaking oil around here. Par five birdie or better, he's twenty third. Um, he can scramble out the rough, uh, and he isn't the greatest of putters, but um, he's in the top eighty for kind of putting from five to ten feet, which I think is an important distance this week. Mm. The thing that put me off Damon, and the reason I didn't tip him was all of his results have been purely on bent grass. And even when you look at his web.com history, very, very little on Bermuda. Um, he could be the kind of player that you'd go for at Houston in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. 
Um, he's long enough. He's straight enough. And I don't ever think Houston's much of a putting contest. So, yeah, I, he's on my shortlist for Houston, as is our friend Johnny Vegas, who we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, Vegas for Houston, I think, is going to be a very interesting proposition. But we're not talking Houston. We're talking Valspar. He came close to me uh, for Damon. Jim Furyk came very, very close because when he was first p- put up, Tom, Tommy Fleetwood was in the field and he was 50-1, to 1, Jim Furyk. Yeah. And I thought, that's a fantastic price. Um, and then as soon as Fleetwood, um, the tweet came out, he's withdrawn, every bookmaker just slashed him straight to 33. Yeah, the, mark, the market changed. It's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, cause it, is, it is a shame. Um, I'm actually leaving all of the top guys out of this. DJ, Jason Day, who I would take out of the top three. I would take Day over Rahm and Dustin Johnson this week, personally. Um, DJ could win it, of course. He could win every week. But John Rahm, this kind of tournament, this kind of winning score doesn't fit for doesn't, me. Doesn't ring true, does it? I prefer Sergio over Rahm. I'd have Sergio. Um, Sergio, of course. I'd have Sergio over Webb Simpson, who's next in the betting. Gary seems to have gone off the ball. Gary Woodland. Paul Casey, well, he's, he's won once in 10 years, which was here in America. I certainly wouldn't have him winning, defending as low as 18 to 1, I could see, for Paul Casey. Wouldn't mm. go anywhere near him. No. Patrick Reed is a core specialist. And that's the other thing here. You know, we're talking kind of neat and tidy. Patrick Reed is the antipathy of that. But because he's so good, uh, such a great putter, such a great scrambler and such a great player of classical gold courses. He goes well round here every year. But um, 25 to 1 is available. Stenson at 40s, there's something in that. Mm. Louis Oosthausen at 40s. Keegan Bradley's playing some great golf. Cannot putt. Mm. And then I came up to the first of my tips. I could not to resist Lucas Glover, who, after I actually put my tips out, Bet Fred eventually came out and they put him up at 45 to 1. I'm up at 40 to 1. Pair, uh, with Betfair Sportsbook eight places each way but Glover to me you know how this golf betting works don't you yeah you get you get well, someone that's hugely po- hugely hugely <laughs> popular every tipster puts him up uh, he's the best thing since sliced bread um, he's going to he's going to play at the players He's he, he could even win it because it's that yeah yep. this is the cut yeah and everyone's like I'm never <laughs> that, that Lucas Glover yeah, never going to touch rubbish. him again never going to back him again and then he pops up again the week after and I can just see a very serious case of week after itis with Glover because the fact of the matter is the bloke is playing fantastic golf I'm wondering you know last week if, if he read some tips as if as if golfers would ever read tips but more importantly he had a chance of a big week last week of getting into the top 64 for the um, world match play yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and Lucas doesn't, especially with his career of late, doesn't grab me as a guy that if you set him a goal, it, it ain't going to happen. Where if he kind of just rolls into a golf course willy nilly, oh, I don't know how I'm going to play this week, boys, he can actually get some results. But he's just playing some outstanding stuff. It's, um, yeah, from what I've seen, his putting um, has been better. far improved. I mean,. You know, we, we've all seen him miss some ridiculously short putts over over his time, but um, 
you know, you get accustomed to seeing him putting around about the 1.9s, don't you, if you're looking at the raw putting average. And he's been a good tenth off of that. Um, you know, a good tenth better than that, should I say. For And that that brings results. It does. For, for, for a, a guy of his high quality from tee to green. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, excellent tee to green. He's been um, performing very well around the greens. He's scrambling. He's been excellent for, for some time as well. So Here you go. First for bogey avoidance, ninth for scoring average, ninth for scoring advice, and we're over a third into the PGA Tour, mm. and he's in the top ten for scoring average. Twelfth for scrambling from the rough, exactly what you just said, and even his putting, yes, it wasn't great, <laughs> it was awful last week, but he's still in the top 75 for putts conver- converted between five and ten feet. Yeah. If you'd have looked at that last year, it'd be 220. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, that, it's... A marked difference, isn't it? You know, for him to be in the top third rather than, you know, virtually rock bottom is a huge step in the right direction for him. And the, on the right track, he will win an event. He'll get over the line. Yeah. So for me, he's a no-brainer. He's, he's finished fourth here in the past. And if you're looking at, like, Carolina course form, he's fantastic around Quail Hollow. He's He's got decent results at Forest Oak, Sedgefield. I mean, he's a US Open winner. He can grind. He's just in great nick. Uh, 12th at the Desert Classic, 7th at the Pebble Beach, 4th at the Honda Classic, and he was also in the top 10 at the Arnold Palmer. So actually, he was in. If I go to the other end, a player I was surprised I got a price on, so good. And I think a lot of this comes down to, we've been saying this for a while, a lot of these odds compilers are using the skill statistics, the strokes gain statistics to pull together odds as well as form and whatever. Yeah. Performances in certain states, certain course. That's now in an algorithm, I believe. And if you look at Brian Armand's stats this year, they are absolutely dog-awful because he's been playing pathetically badly. Mm. And then last week, turns up at the players and all of a sudden he's a totally different player. He's actually a player that you actually expect Jim uh, Harmon to be. Um the number that grabbed me was that he was in the top 15 for greens in regulation last week. So all of a sudden, he's turning up this week knowing he can hit some greens. Yeah? But listen to these numbers, Pat. Paul, he was 13th for driving accuracy, 11th for greens in reg, 9th for, ninth for ball striking, and he was second last week for all round mm. in the strongest field of 2019. He only leaked seven bogeys which was exactly the same as Rory McIlroy, Jim Furyk, and our mate Joel Damon. Why didn't I tip Joel Damon? <laughs> it's so obvious what's going to happen here, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, I just like Brian Harmon this week. He's, he's the sort. PGS, PGA West third, Riviera third, Colonial two top tens, TPC River Highlands third and the sixth, Sedgefield third, um, he was he was in the top fifty in the world as of twelve months ago. He's had a poor run. He uh, won the twenty seventeen Wells Fargo at Eagle Point in Carolina, another Carolina golf course. In that particular tournament, he beat none other than Dustin Johnson and John Rahm. Yeah, I remember it. Shootout. I remember it. Yeah. Getting so up he's got he's got he's got the raw materials when he gets in a in when he gets in a serious position. Yeah. I just think. 150 to 1 he was yesterday yeah. with Unibet, six places each way. Just checking now, he's been backed off the boards. The best I'm seeing is 110 to 1. He's as short as 66s. Yeah. But Harmon was too big. 
Um, and I think a lot of that was because his stats are so bad. But the one stat that did jump out to me this week, five to ten feet with the putter, top ten in the cut. Uh, oh, yeah, he's, he's always been an outstanding putter. If you said there's a bit of wind around as well, then he's a great wind There is, as well, yeah. So. As you know, yeah. yeah, there's wind. I didn't actually finish that wind synopsis, did I? There's also going to be wind on Friday, anything up to 15, 18 miles an hour, which is more than enough for this golf course. Mm. So for me, there's two days of wind, and even Sunday looks a bit breezy. So if you're looking for players who are great in the wind, go to our predictor model. There's a wind variable on there, and you will find you will find um, Mr. Uh, Harmon in the top ten on our wind uh, variable yeah. on the predictor yeah. model. He's he's a good wind. He player. is a good wind player. Um, two more for me. Um, I was surprised to see Branch Schnedeker at 66 to 1, so I took that. Sixth place each way, 50 odds with Unibet. They had some really good prices, Unibet. We keep saying this, but their prices were outstanding uh, Monday. Uh, if you haven't got a Unibet account coming up to the Masters, you should seriously think about one because there's going to be some players at big prices that are way out of kilter with Unibet. Mm. They always are. But Schnedeker, Carolina Golf Course expert, we were on him last year at the Wyndham. Uh, last week at the players, first for greens in reg, ninth for strokes gained on approach, tenth for strokes gained around the green, sixth for strokes gained tee to green. I'm all over him. Yeah, no, no, I like. He's snow. changed coaches. He's left two weeks ago. He left Butch Harmon, and he's now back with his previous coach Todd Anderson, who's actually based at TPC Sawgrass. So clearly, he's, he, he's been doing a lot of work down in Florida on his swing, and all of a sudden, he says he's swinging less with the arms, more with the body, mm. and it's and he's he's been amazed how easily, all of a sudden, he's hitting fairways and greens. And anyone that knows, you know, Snedeker's short game is just world class. So I can see him going very well at sixty sixes. And the other thing with Snedeker is, if you actually look at his record either side of majors or WGCs where he's done well. He takes that form forward. Yeah, I know I like And actually, 66 to 1 for Branch Schnedeker this week, I think, is a very good price. And I don't know if you realise, but Schnedeker, let me just bring this up quickly on my screen. He's a nine-time PGA Tour winner, and he's at 66 to 1. It's just crazy in my yeah, mind. Yeah, no, no, and you know, a, t- a tough test is. Uh, How many times has Rafa Cabrillo Bello won on the PGA Tour? Well, he's fifty to one. Yeah. Doesn't make it. it you know, some of these prices. I said to you earlier, you know, it's like Webb Simpson. I can see him at fourteen to one. He's won once on the PGA Tour in the last five and a half years. Yeah. Schnedeker, though, nine-time winner. He's not scared of winning uh, tournaments of a certain level. And this is right in his wheelhouse. Yeah, and a it, good, steady PGA Tour event. And when it's when it's a when it's a trickier test as well, I think he yep. is, uh, he, he does come to. And another one who's a great win player. So you know, there's a lot of com- there's a combination of a lot of things to like about Snedeker. I do agree. And the other one I went for was KK Kevin Kisner, one and a half points each way, fifty to one again with Unibet, six place each way. I just thought fifty to one on on, on Kisner, who's playing. He keeps showing. Keeps scoring very good rounds, gets into the mix and then falls away. But that won't continue to happen. 21st for bogey avoidance, 34th for scoring average. Great putter. Um, 
and he's been 13th, 16th, 3rd and 8th for Greens in regulation across four of his last five appearances. And that isn't Kevin's game. No. He's a he's a putter. He's a scrambler. So when he's hitting that many greens, at some point, that putter's going to get warm on Bermuda grass and he's going to fly. Mm. So, yeah, Kisner. So, Glover, Kisner, Schnedeker and Brian Harmon. If you were... If you want four old boys from the southeast of America, good old boys, that, that, there's four there for you. <laughs> Grown up on these kind of grasses, so I think it's a, I think it's a good assignment for all four. Mm, I can see it. I really do like Snedeker. I must say, he's one of the ones that I have backed. Who are you on? Um, aside from Snedeker, the only other, other one that I've backed so far is Ches Reevy. and um, we chatted about him on the train the other week. Yeah, we did. He strikes me similar to uh, to Jake McLeod in the, the way that he's been treated in the market because he's 125 to 1 at the moment. Um, and, you know, that's off the back of a few indifferent performances yeah, at, uh, you know, at, at decent levels. So, um, what's he finished? Yeah, missed the cut at the Genesis, 65th at the Mexico Championship, missed the cut last week. So, you know, his very immediate form looks a bit iffy. But then before that, third in the Sony, fourth in the Phoenix Open. You know, going back to these weeks, he was silly short in the prices. You know, and, you know, I think it's easy to get drawn into this very immediate form being absolutely critical and and missing some of these players. Because from T to green, he's still outstanding. I, th- I think that's, you know, still going to be an element of this. He can putt when, when it all works. And you go back to the Sony Open, he finished fourth for putting that week. 1.61 putts per greens in regulation is uh, is very good for, for someone like Reeve. Um He's got four top 30 finishes here. Um, 11th in 2011, and he was third, uh, sorry, 13th going into the, uh, to the final round after 65, 20th in 2012. Again, he was seventh going into the final round. So he's shown a little bit of you know, ability around this track, sixth going into day after day one in 2013, fifth after day one in 2016. Um, so I think if you round it all up, there's enough reason to think that he could he could perform here at 125. I mean, I think, go well, Reevy last year, if you looked at all of his skill sets, he was all over them. And sure enough, every week you looked at Ches Reevy, his prices were crazily short here. Mm-hmm. This year, his numbers aren't nearly as good, and all of a sudden you're getting great prices on him. So yeah. you, you see this about yeah, this, this this thing about skill sets and numbers and statistics about games. That's definitely been built in the prices. Yeah. But actually, he's actually look at his top ten results. They're probably just as good. Yeah. As from last year. Yeah. It's just that his stats aren't as good, and all of a sudden you're getting really tasty prices mm-hmm. about him. Yeah, he's interesting. I'll tell you another one I'll throw out there. Kung Hoon Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. two hundred to one. I'm seeing mm-hmm. he was in the. Didn't he go out in the final round or something very close to the back at the Honda Classic? His last outing. Yeah, and he just hits greens for fun. Oh, no, we, we mentioned him briefly, didn't we? In one of the one of the podcasts a few weeks ago because he was a, a silly short price and um, you know hadn't uh, hadn't done a great deal on the. Yeah, on that the was Puerto Jones. Rico. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, you get but the, here. You get a tasty price about him nowadays. And down at that you kind of level, two hundred to one about him, seven places each way with Coral or Betfred right now. Yeah, and his tee to green game right now is some of the best you see on the whole tour. Mm. 
And t- talking to slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, talking to Green, Roberto Castro's another one I've got a mark against. Two hundred and fifties. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, he's got a little. He's done well around Quail Hollow in the past. Yeah, yeah. And um, if you look eight, eighth for the strokes, strokes gained approach for the season, despite not having any really standout form. So that's where his game is. And you know, again, that's another stat that you highlighted quite heavily in the uh, in the preview as well. Mm. Castro's a good one. Yeah, Castro, Tommy Armour is another one who caught my eye. Danny Willett, you mentioned a few weeks ago for this as well. Willett's not I said if I didn't tip him up, shoot me. <laughs> we'll see, see where he finishes so Willett, first. So Willett will pop, but he's he's just he, he hasn't shown anything enough for me, mm. unfortunately. But yeah, I could see Willett going well this week because this kind of grind is going to be right up his alley. Yeah, yeah there's a few, yeah. few of that kind of level I might just have a couple of quid on just for a bit of interest it'll as tickle well. mm, indeed Kaziah's showing better forms to district, but hasn't come I don't think Kaziah though he's, he's more of a 22 under merchant yeah. than 8 under man isn't he yeah, yeah. You got and Jason Duffner as well you know Jason Duffner he was 5th for greens in regulation last week so it's it, as we always say, look for players. Once their true skill set starts to bed in, mm-hmm. the rest of the game warms. Yeah. So Duffner's going to start showing soon. Whether it's this week, I, I can't tell you. But he's he, it's coming because he's a, just a GIR merchant. What are we getting get Duffner? 200 to 1 for Duffner. Yes. Mm. Mm. It's coming. Tempting. Right, I'm looking forward to this week's talk. Yeah, it should be good. I think I think there's two very good, interesting betting heats across uh, across Malaysia and across the Valspar this week. So I'm really looking forward to it. Can't wait. Thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah pleasure as always. Best of luck this week. We've got world. Uh, we've got the world match play next week. We have. It's a double header on the European and the Corrales. Side. Yeah, I've got the Indian Open as well next week, so it's the. Oh, you having a laugh? You've got two. <laughs> you've got two next week. Yeah. And you told my missus that I could disappear to New York. Oh, you're a generous <laughs> man. You are a gen- You didn't realise clearly when she asked the question. Diary management is poor, isn't it? That is poor, mate. You're going. You've got the Indian Open as well. Yeah, the in- Indian Open, uh, which starts Thursday, the Dell match play, which starts Wednesday. Now, we, we do Wednesday. have this challenge with the match play, don't we, with the um, the pairings not being drawn until late on Monday evening UK time. So the preview is going to be out on Tuesday next week, which makes the timings all a bit tight, but uh, we'll work it out one way or the other. So you'll go with India first? Is In, India saying. Monday, match play Tuesday, yes. That'll be the plan. Okay. It's a feast of golf next week. Indeed. A feast. Thanks for your time. Pleasure. We will see you again next week for the Golf Betting System podcast. Enjoy your golf. Goodbye. <laughs>